This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. You're listening to a Joycast from GLBTIQ community radio station, Joy 94.9. Welcome to the Rainbow Report. News, opinion, current affairs for the Rainbow community from Joy 94.9, Australia's only full-time gay and lesbian radio station. Gay and lesbian radio station. And now your host, Doug Pollard. Doug Pollard. News and interviews, Joy 94.9. Well, thanks, Chris and Cam, for the Drive Factory. I'm still wondering what they make in that Drive Factory. You know, they never told me. Uh, Good evening and welcome to, are you ready for this, the anti-penultimate rainbow report. This means there's three to go, including this one tonight. Counting down to the final show on October 3rd, but we're still looking to the future in this post-election period. Now that we've picked ourselves up off the canvas, it's time to put our shoulders to the wheel and leaving no cliché unturned march boldly into the future, or something like that anyway. The Victorian AIDS Council is doing just that, having restructured itself and adopted a strategic plan to take it through the next few years. I thought it'd be worthwhile getting the CEO, Matt Dixon, uh, to have a chat with us about that and explain where they're going. The ACT this morning, as you just heard in the news, tabled a same-sex marriage bill. It's the first shot in the marriage battle since the abortion. Clips. ACT Attorney General Simon Corbell uh, tells us he wants federal Labour to back him if Tony and the boys come after him, and it looks like they're going to. Uh, Simon will be joining us later in the show. It's almost Bi Visibility Day, we'll, so we'll be talking to Rebecca Dominguez of Bi Alliance Victoria, because we don't often talk about the B in LGBTI, the bisexuals, so I thought it was about time we did. And finally, Tony Briffer uh, may not be the mayor of Hobson's Bay anymore, but there's still work to be done. He's embarked on an ambitious plan to build an LGBT alliance through all of Australia's local authorities. He'll be joining us in the studio in a little while. The election of the coalition government has underscored that the world is serving up some new challenges for our community, and nowhere more so in the area of HIV and AIDS. We've seen the defunding of the former Queensland AIDS Council, and small groups of very vocal critics have emerged strongly attacking the uh, AIDS Council of New South Wales, now known as ACON, and the AIDS Council also over in WA. But our own VAC, meanwhile, has quietly restructured itself and adopted a new strategic plan, and so far suffered none of the problems of its counterparts. So what are they doing right? CEO Matt Dixon joins us on the line now. Good evening, Matt. <laughs> G'day, Doug. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. And uh, how are you doing? Well, I, don't, I, look, I think it's, it's interesting that you say that we must be doing something right. But I think the reality is that uh, when you're an AIDS council, uh, you've, you hold a huge amount of responsibility to the community that you serve. Uh, you also, I suppose you're the servant of, of, of a number of masters, the broader sort of gay community, uh, the community of people living with HIV, but also the government that funds you. So you sort of have a, a number of uh, mm. constituencies that you need to keep in contact with and, um, you know, not necessarily always keep happy, but make sure that you're sort of listening to and responding to and, and all of that. Uh, so I think uh, in Victoria, you know, rather than, you know, sort of doing anything better than anybody else, in a way, 
we've got some planets that have sort of aligned for us. You know, we have a health minister who's very engaged mm-hmm. in uh, our work and has been very supportive. We've also got a bureaucracy under him that uh, is engaged and, um, and you know, uh, supportive. Uh, but also, you know, I think it's, it's really clear that one of the things that, that uh, has been uh, uh, brought us into the sunshine uh, in some way is the advent of the 2014 uh, World AIDS Conference that the listeners might might have heard about, and I'm sure we'll hear a lot more about because Joy's going to be pretty active in the space. Indeed. Basically, the whole world's coming to Melbourne for the um, uh, International AIDS Conference. It'll be more than 15,000 people uh, politically for... Hopefully for Australia politically, certainly for Victoria politically, uh, it's a great opportunity to show good work uh, that's being done. So that means that uh, that, that creates, uh, you know, opportunities for an organisation like ours. Yeah, because you're going to obviously going to be uh, bang in the centre of all that. And um, yeah. as you say, it also focuses the state government's attention, which is good. Yeah, yeah. And, and right. after, after a bit of a slow start, I must say that the uh, the government of this state does seem to have come on board with gay issues somewhat. Um, might have taken them a little while to warm up, but <laughs> most things seem to take them a little while to warm up. So. <laughs> I won't comment on, comment on that. Uh, no, perhaps not. <laughs> but at least they're getting there. At least they're getting there. There. They're starting to fire on, well, three of the four cylinders anyway. Uh-huh. Um, now, you restructured your organisation. You went through a kind of rethink about how you deliver your services and about how you do what you do. Um, is that because the, the, the environment in which you are working has changed? The nature of the disease and the way it's spreading or not spreading uh, has changed? The new treatments that are coming along? Was your system out of date for all that? Well, I think it's probably more that because of all the changes that you mentioned, and certainly the the epidemic keeps changing, and it has kept changing right through its history. It never it never stops changing, but you know that's okay. We we keep up as best we can and uh, try to keep ahead of ahead of it. Um, but also uh, things like the funding environment, political environments change. You know, we know that there's a hell of a lot of reform that's been going on in human services and health around the drug and alcohol sector, community health, mental health. Uh, an organisation like ours is sort of funded under a probably a bit of a an old-fashioned model, if you like, where we, we get block funding for what we do. We do account to the government for what we, what we get. But um, there's probably a lot less um, sort of tight scrutiny of us through our funding model than, say, for a uh, disability service or a drug and alcohol service where it's a thing called activity-based funding, so you get paid for exactly what you deliver. That's great for us in, in that we have room to be flexible and fairly agile so if we you know see changing needs we can respond to them um within you know the resources that we have and that's that's great and i think that's been a, a real strength of uh you know the hiv response mm-hmm. uh but really the the restructure that i have uh or you know that we've we've implemented at vac it's uh we've done a management restructure so it's really just sort of uh rearranging the um, the bits of the organisation in a bit, but not really changing essentially what we do. We are we are looking at reviewing things like our health promotion program to make sure that we're sort of uh, getting the best uh, out of it that we can for the resources that we have to deliver health promotion. Um, but one of the things that we've done is our services. We, we provide a sort of a pretty broad range of services at Victorian AIDS Council Gay Men's Health Centre. Um, a lot of those, are, and mo- most of those are for people living with HIV. And putting basically, we've sort of grouped all the services together, yeah. put in a director of services, and we'll really be looking at sort of uh, making sure that those services uh, refer to each other as seamlessly as possible and sort of make sure that we're 
giving the best services to our clients that we possibly can. Now, you, you've set yourself a series of objectives. Um, and I noticed there's one difference between you and uh, ACON, and that ACON's gone out there with a very bold statement of, you know, we've got to end HIV by a set date. Yeah. Whereas yours is a little more open-ended than that. Your objective is to work to decrease the rates and impact of HIV. Is there any reason why you didn't set yourself a, 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 an ambitious target like ACON did? Yeah, look, it was probably partly to do with when we did our strategic plan, which the, the sort of time that we were doing it was uh, late last year and so it was just a little bit before um, those um, I think the Melbourne declaration that talked about sort of specific targets had just come out but you know that we, we spent about six months you know working pretty intensively to get the strategic plan done so it's probably a bit of a, a sense of timing um, you made you might have seen and listeners might have seen uh, that we've now sort of joined the acon uh, ending HIV campaign and we're rolling mm-hmm. it out in Victoria with support of the um, the Department of Health uh, so in a way I think we were probably um, you know, a little bit, uh, they were probably a bit more ambitious and, and, and quick off the mark with um, probably being a bit more uh, resolute about ending HIV. Uh, but now, you know, we're sort of we're sort of up with that now and I think, um, you know, that's certainly where we're, where we're, what, we're, what we're looking at. Yeah, I mean, it, it, does, it does look very ambitious too, uh, to, to set a date like that. But I suppose um, it, it's useful in the sense that, you know, if you've got an open-ended commitment, it's, it, you know, you, it's you know there, there, there's, there's, there's nothing there to kind of drive you. There's no kind of end point. And you can always change that end point, of course, if you want to. Um, you, you, you said also in your... Um, in your uh, objectives that you uh, wanted to lead through excellent and innovative programs and services. What does that mean in practice? Look, I I think partly that's about uh, evaluating what you do to make sure that uh, you're doing the best, um, you're providing the best sort of version of whatever service that you are providing. So that's about the excellent uh, innovative is about looking at research and data, looking to see what other people are doing either here or in other places, looking into other sectors to see what's going on and trying to... So, so it's about being on. nimble and, and agile, as you mentioned earlier. Well, that's right, yeah. And also sort of, um, you know, open open to hearing um, constructive sort of feedback on your services and, and from other people about, you know, what you could be doing differently. Mm-hmm. One, I suppose an example is um, Pronto, which is our uh, HIV rapid testing service. Uh, you know, we, we put a lot of effort into uh, working with the health minister and the, and the, the government yeah. to... Uh, to show them that uh, introducing, you know, rapid HIV testing was something that was, uh, even though it's not innovative on a global scale, because it's been around most <laughs> It's been it's innovative years. here. So we, <laughs> yeah, we can't say we're world here. leading there. No. Okay. Well, Matt, thank you very much for joining us tonight. We've got okay. uh, we've got the ACT Attorney General on the line now, so I want to talk to him All the best. Uh, about his marriage bill. Thank you very much for your time tonight. My pleasure, Doug. Now, the ACT has a long and contentious history of pushing for the recognition of gay relationships. It's brought them into conflict with the federal government before, both coalition and Labour, uh, with uh, John Howard previously overturning uh, a a civil unions bill as too marriage-like. Now they're at it again, but this time they've introduced a marriage equality bill. And the man who did so, the Attorney General Simon Corbell, is on the line now. Good evening, Mr Corbell. 
Hello, Doug. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome, especially on a day like today. Um, this has been a long and winding road, hasn't it? Look, it really has. And as you say, it, it dates right back to the, the Labor government's first attempts at same-sex relationship law reform when we introduced the Civil Unions Act in 2006, which was overturned by the then Howard government. Mm-hmm. Um, this, I think, this law, this new law that I've introduced today, really does speak to the values and principles of uh, my Labor colleagues and myself. We are committed uh, to equality before the law for same-sex couples, and we believe that now is the time uh, to legislate for a territory-based same-sex marriage law because of the deadlock that we see in the federal parliament and the very strong need to address this remaining area of discrimination that currently exists in the law when it comes to recognising the relationships of gay, lesbian and transgender couples. Now, this is an issue that several of my listeners have contacted me and said, um, it's called a marriage equality bill. is it just a same-sex marriage bill, i.e. men be allowed to marry men and women allowed to marry women, or does it in fact cover transgender and intersex people as well? It covers anyone who's not able to be married under the Commonwealth Marriage Act. So, yes, it does include transgender and intersex persons. Um, that's the purpose of the bill, is to create a scheme for those couples who are not eligible to marry under the Commonwealth Marriage Act because... The, marriage, the Commonwealth Marriage Act only allows uh, opposite-sex couples to marry. Right. Uh, and it allows for marriage for uh, gay, lesbian, transgender or intersex couples uh, because they are not able to marry under the Commonwealth law. Now, you, you phrased it rather, rather cleverly, I think, in the way that you, in the, in that you haven't listed all those different kinds of people who uh, the bill covers. All you've said, as you've just said now, is you've said anyone who can't get married under the Federal Marriage Act. That's right. So, obviously, you have to be uh, an adult. You mm-hmm. have to not be married mm-hmm. under the Commonwealth law. Uh, you have to um, not be in a prohibited relationship, which is a standard requirement, uh, the same as that would exist uh, under a Commonwealth marriage in terms of close family relationships and so on. Uh, but uh, if, if all of those criteria are satisfied, uh, then you are able to marry uh, under the marriage equality bill that was presented to the Assembly today. And that really does provide for uh, the equality before the law Indeed. Uh, that uh, we're seeking to achieve. Well, that'll be very welcome news to my intersex listeners in particular who were um, worried they were going to get left out again, as they so often do. Um, Now, moving on from there, we've already heard that the Prime Minister and his Attorney General, that's Tony Abbott and George Brandis, uh, are going to take legal advice uh, on this. Uh, Do you think this means they are actually going to try and knock it over? Well, I'm going to hold fire on that, but uh, obviously we do know that um, there will be many members of the the new federal government who will not support this law. Um, It's important to note that it's not an option for the federal government to simply disallow our law by recommending to the Governor-General that they do so, which is what they did uh, in relation to the Civil Unions Act back in 2006. Instead, now, uh, the federal parliament has to pass a law uh, that overturns 
uh, at the ACT law, and that would have to be agreed to by both houses of the federal parliament. The power to veto by reference to the Governor-General has been removed okay. from our Self-Government Act. So we would say that it would not be an appropriate use of the Territory's power in the federal parliament to overturn our law. Mm-hmm. Um, there are other states that are considering very similar laws. There's a bill in the New South Wales parliament right now um, that is very similar to the bill that I introduced today. So we would say that if there is a policy disagreement on this question or an argument about whether or not the states and territories have jurisdiction, that should be properly tested in the institution that is set up to deal with those questions, which is the High Court. Yeah, uh, they do have those two routes, don't they, to um, uh, to uh, challenge what you're doing. The the uh, if they, I mean, if they try to get it through the Parliament at the moment, they're not going to get very far, I wouldn't have thought, because um, they don't have a majority in the Senate. What would happen in the Senate after July would be, <laughs> well, who knows what we're going to get in there and how that's going to work out. Yeah, look, sure. And, and these, these, are, these are open questions, yeah. and uh, we, we don't for a moment say that this is going to be an entirely easy road ahead. But this is the right thing to do. And uh, we are confident that the bill will pass the Assembly uh, when it's debated, I expect, next month in October. Uh, And once it becomes law, assuming that the majority on the floor is the majority I anticipate, Mm -hmm. then uh, we will be in a position to start allowing people uh, to enter into uh, same-sex marriages uh, to to utilise the provision of the Marriage Equality Bill uh, from... Uh, later this year. So when do you think that uh, marriages will start happening? Will that be that sort of, you know, before Christmas? Yes, uh, if the bill is passed in October, as we anticipate it will be, yes, we expect that the scheme will become operational uh, towards the end of the year, so that's October, December. Right. Um, and uh, clearly, um, this is will be a very important occasion when it does, because sure. it will be the first time that there will be a marriage law in Australia uh, that allows people who are not able to marry under the Commonwealth Marriage Act to marry and have a legal marriage, uh, albeit a territory or state-based law rather than a national law. Right. Uh, That's one of the things I was going to ask you. Will it be recognised outside of the ACT? Well, that will be a matter for the other states and territories, they will have to decide whether or not they will recognise the marriage and in what way they will recognise it. Clearly the Commonwealth is not going to recognise it, right. uh, but the states and terri- other states and territories can recognise it. Uh, that will be a matter for them as to whether they allow their laws uh, to, rec- to recognise uh, a, a marriage equality marriage uh, in the ACT. Now, um, what about religious organisations? Because we've heard a lot, as always, from the Australian Christian Lobby and others about, you know, they fear that churches and so on will be forced to marry same-sex couples. Yes. Well, this bill puts that question beyond doubt. It's explicit in stating that there is no obligation, compulsion or requirement for a minister or priest of religion uh, to conduct a same-sex marriage, or to host one, or to make one available in a religious building, church, temple, uh, or other or other uh, venue. Uh, so the bill is explicit in that regard. To to allow a 
a marriage under this law to proceed, you need to have an authorised celebrant. Mm -hmm. Now, anyone can become an authorised celebrant. They have to apply to do so in the same way that they currently do in the ACT for a civil union. Would they be the same celebrants for marriages and civil unions and these new marriages, or will they be different um, celebrants? There are certainly celebrants in the ACT who are registered to perform marriage ceremonies under the Commonwealth Marriage Act and are also registered to perform civil union and who I would anticipate would become registered to perform uh, a same-sex marriage in the ACT. So, and, and one of them could well be a minister of religion because his particular church is willing to conduct a same-sex marriage. Yes, as I say, it's entirely voluntary. If yeah. a, a minister or a priest wishes to be authorised to conduct a same-sex marriage, then they can apply and be granted that authorisation. But there is no compulsion or requirement for anybody to become an authorised celebrant. The only people who become authorised celebrants are those who choose to do so. Well, it looks like you've got it all worked out, um, and it looks, at least to a layman, uh, as though it'd be very hard for the government to mount a legal challenge to it. Oh, look, I don't think we can underestimate the complexity of the the constitutional questions that are potentially at play here, ultimately... But that's, no going to take, that's going to take a long time to resolve, isn't it? I mean, if it goes into a court case, mm. court, particularly these high court cases are notorious for taking a long time to resolve. So Look, we're almost certain to end up with a lot of people who are married. Well, um, I think that's, that's uh, a reasonable observation, absolutely. And um, clearly, uh, we, will, we uh, don't introduce this bill unless we... I believe uh, and and have taken the time to ensure that we have good arguments and good uh, good uh, understandings of the constitutional basis and the authority for us to enact this law. You've got to remember that the New South Wales Parliament has looked at this question as well, and their yep. committee inquiry has also concluded that states do have the capacity to legislate in this regard. So uh, we are not alone in in that belief and view. And we will argue it and advocate it and defend it strongly, should it go to the court. Uh, but in the meantime, we'll be standing by marriage equality. We'll be standing by this bill. We hope to enact it uh, in the coming sitting of the Assembly at the end of October. Uh, and then we will be welcoming people to, to take advantage of that law and to have their relationship recognised as an equal one uh, under the law of the ACT. One one final point I'd like to ask you about. Supposing let's 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 take the worst case scenario and supposing the law does eventually get struck down either by Act of Parliament or by the High Court, um, you will then have a whole load of people who have been married under this Act. What what happens to their marriage? Are they suddenly single again? Are their marriages annulled? Do they convert to a civil union or something? Um, well, where where are they going to be legally? scenario arose when the Civil Union Act was uh, vetoed by the federal government uh, and there had been a number of people who had entered into a civil union. Um, the legal position was that those ceremonies were, were void and had no legal standing or effect. So that that is uh, a consequence uh, that uh, I'm sure everyone will understand is, is that potentially out there. If it was to occur, the Assembly could take steps 
uh, and the government could take steps to rectify it to a degree by, for example, saying that such um, such exercises of of uh, the marriage uh, law as it, as it would be uh, could instead become, say, a civil union. But um, that's that's hypothetical and, and sure. really speculation at this time. We're standing by marriage equality and we're standing by our arguments that we know have a strong uh, grounding that we have the authority to to make this law uh, and that's what we're focused on right now. Well, congratulations on getting this far and um, you'll obviously have the backing of this radio station Good and an awful lot of people in our community. Thank you. It's always a pleasure to talk to Joy. <laughs> it's yeah. always a pleasure to talk to you as well, Simon. Okay. Thank you very much for joining us Thanks today. Thanks very much. That was uh, Simon Corbell there, the uh, ACT Attorney General, talking about the Marriage Act. And it is really a Marriage Equality Act. It does cover transgender and intersex people, which will be a relief to a great many people. As I said, the federal government looks like it's going to move to try and knock it down. But, um, you know, there's a long road ahead, whatever happens. This Joycast is a free service brought to you by Joy 94.9. Support Joy 94.9 by becoming a member at joy.org.au. And this is your host, Doug Pollard. Celebrate Bisexuality Day was first observed on 23rd September in 1999, as many felt that bisexuality needs to be more visible and celebrated within a society that is primarily monosexual. And this day has since gained increased recognition around the globe. Well, there's uh, another Bisexuality Day coming up soon. And online to talk to us about it is Biolands Victoria President Rebecca, Rebecca Dominguez. Good evening, Rebecca. Hi, thanks for having me on. You're more than welcome. Now, tell us all about Bisexuality Day. Well, it's a day where we like to get together as a community and, and celebrate that uh, we're around, we're present, that we have a community of, of like-minded and supportive people and just the day to you know, be extra visible. So what are you doing to celebrate? We're having a dinner at the Lord Newry Hotel in the upstairs um, function room. So if any bisexual people who aren't already coming along would like to come along or anyone who uh, would like to support us, you can go to our website, um, www.bialliance.org by hyphen alliance and um we'll have an rsvp thing there so we make sure that we can let the hotel know how many people are coming along yeah there's also a link on the uh, my blog page on the joy website so that people can get in touch with you now it, it is true that bisexuals tend to be somewhat invisible and not always all that welcome in a lot of gay uh, venues and situations does that th- make life difficult it does for many of our members. Um, you've got the immediate assumption if you're with an opposite or same-sex partner that you're either straight or gay. And so we're immediately visible from that point of view. And there's a lot of our members who have said that they've not felt welcome at um, gay venues because they are you know, attracted to more than one gender. And if they've come along... An, and been accepted, and then they tell someone that they've got an opposite-sex partner. It's like, oh, what do you mean? You're not one of us. <laughs> I, I suppose to some extent it's because, um, certainly in the gay male world, a lot of guys kind of start out by telling people they're bisexual before they finally come out as being gay. They use it as a kind of way station to get people used to the idea. 
that I don't know how common that is today. I've, I've certainly heard... It certainly used to happen people. in the past. That's right. It certainly used to happen in a lot of past. Even um, Dan Savage has said that he did that when he first came out. Mm. And, you know, it's just because some people have done that doesn't mean that you know all people who say they're bisexual are on a journey to being queer. Mm. So, not queer, gay or lesbian, really. It's, um, it's a valid um, orientation. I know people who believed that they were gay or lesbian who've actually later gone, no, I, I was wrong about myself or my journey was fluid and I'm actually now bisexual. So... And, and it's also the it's also somewhat different. I think you will agree for women rather than for men because women's sexuality is acknowledged to be a good deal more fluid, in uh, generally speaking, than uh, than men's sexuality is. Well, that's what the uh, the current sort of science behind it says. So. I'm, I'm not a sociologist or psychiatrist, so I'll leave that to them. <laughs> you're, just, you're just happy to be fluid. That's right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's also true, I suppose, that, uh, I mean, in my journey from, uh, you know, to, in coming out and that and watching other people come out over the many, many years I've been around, it's been very noticeable to me that, that a, there have been a number of women who have started out um, assuming that they are heterosexual and functioning perfectly well heterosexually, and then only later in life discovering a that they are also attracted to women, and b that they want to do something about it. Do you find a lot of pe- a lot of married women fight making that journey with you? We do. We also find a lot of married men making that journey with us. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've had people of both genders. Well, sorry, people who identify as male and female who've come along to our discussion groups who've said, thought I was straight, then realised I wasn't. And it can be, you know, realising that they fall in love with a friend or it's just been a gradual thing that they've been thinking about over over the years. But a lot of a lot of people think that you are gay or, or straight. They're, you have to be one or the other. You cannot be bisexual. They're, a lot of people don't know that there is a a middle ground so to speak and so they find themselves attracted to someone they go right that's my sexuality and then later long long time later to go actually no, there's more than this in me yeah I, there's a theory um i don't know how much how, how true it may be but there's a theory that basically we're all innately bisexual and all the rest is like social training it's how we're brought up it's the uh, the, the stories we're given by our parents it's our early relationship formation um particularly f- through watching the example of our heterosexual parents kind of thing well, if you take the, the Kinsey idea that there is a scale of sexuality from very, very straight to very, very gay, and that people fall along that spectrum, so it, you know, identity is a very personal thing, and people can fall anywhere on a spectrum and but say I am this, and if that's how they choose to identify, then that's their call. that's their call. Now, there's been a lot of studies done to sort of try and pin down how many. Um, gay people there are in society what percentage of people are gay and it seems these days it's it's sort of settled around six seven percent something like that depending on Mm -hmm. how you count has anyone done anything similar for bisexuality there have been some um there are some early studies there there is suggestion that of the if we say 10 percent overall that will you know lesbian gay bisexual transgender transgender intersex Mm -hmm. there are Suggestions that bisexual actually might make up the majority of that number, or people who report 
attractions to both or more than one gender. They may identify as gay or lesbian, but they have reported in the various surveys that they have had attraction to more than one gender in their lifetime. So it's a a tricky thing to pin down. And (laughs) as I said, if someone wants to identify in a particular way, that's their call. And I'm certainly not going to make up my, their mind for them. <laughs> well, no, that wouldn't, be, that wouldn't be right at all, would it? <laughs> not at all. Um, you said that uh, it, it, it can be very difficult because you're not really accepted in the straight community and you're not really accepted in the gay community. And the, um, is it more difficult for men, do you think, to come out as bisexual than it is for women? Because, I mean, we have this weird phenomenon whereby straight men seem to be very turned on by watching lesbians get it on. And, you know, uh, there's all this stuff about hot lesbian porn kind of thing, which is nothing like yeah. real lesbians at all. Um, do <laughs> is, do, do uh, bisexual women get something of a, of a free pass, so to speak, compared to bisexual men in that regard? I, I think there's there's the fantasy, you know, the what's on TV and then what's in... And it's a completely different reaction to what's in front of you. Right. So if we've had people um, come along and say, oh, you know, I told my date that I was bisexual, and this is of both genders, and their dates just freaked out. Yeah. Um, because, oh, my God, you know, that means you'll never be satisfied and you'll always be wanting something <laughs> else. And, and so... And or then there's the whole oh but you'll give me diseases and because you've slept around it because you know obviously bisexuals are all promiscuous and none of them monogamous and <laughs> and mon- mon- monogamous isn't quite the right word but if you're if you're simultaneously having a relationship with two people of different no, genders no, no, but, not. but but that's, but that's not, that's not what the world goes but <laughs> basically what people don't seem to realise about bisexuals is that they settle down and tend to settle down like the rest of us with a partner of a gender that's right. That's uh, right. So there, there, there is monogamy for um, there, there is monogamy possible for a bisexual, which is a, a, an idea some people seem to find difficult to get their heads around. Absolutely. But I mean, even when you're monogamous and gay or monogamous and straight, doesn't mean you can't have a roving eye. Absolutely, and you know, monog- <laughs> monogamous people still cheat um, <laughs> of of both gay and straight persuasion. So yeah, you know, I think really the uh, indeed, but we get the bad rap for it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, all, 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 everyone, everyone gets it really. Well, I don't. I don't know. I think. I think gay people and bisexual people are generally thought to be, as you say, more promiscuous and less faithful and less trustworthy. Um, I think that's a lot of lot of times because. And I think that's a lot of hooey. <laughs> oh, it is, and I think it's also because far too many people are obsessed with sex, and so when you tell them that you have a different sexual orientation than theirs, they're suddenly thinking about sex. You're like, that's just only a small part of my life. Indeed, you know, I still go to work and I go shopping and I do the laundry and I feed the cats. Yes, indeed. Uh, as, as as when we were talking about gay marriage earlier on, it's not really gay marriage; it's just marriage because you know you don't do gay shopping and gay laundry no. <laughs> and, <laughs> any more than you do buy shopping or buy laundry. Exactly. Okay, one more time, reminders. When when is your bisexuality celebration? Twenty third September. At 7pm at the Lord Neary Hotel in the upstairs function room. And details, if you look for Bylines Victoria online, you'll find a website and there's also a link on the Joy website. Fantastic. Well, thanks very much for joining us uh, tonight, Rebecca. And uh, have fun at your Bisexuality Day. I certainly will. Okay, that was uh, Rebecca Dominguez, the president of Bi Alliance Victoria.
Now, my next guest is Tony Briffer. We've met Tony many times before. As I say, he was the mayor of Hobson's Bay. He's still a councillor there. He's got a new project on hand now. You want to spread LGBTI love through all the local authorities in the country. I sure do. I love spreading love, um, <laughs> diversity, all that sort of stuff. I'd love to see every chamber have a rainbow. That would be really nice. It would be lovely. And, uh, you know, you could always get it past the Christians by saying it's a Christian symbol too. Maybe. You know? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I have to say, I was invited by a local, probably shouldn't say this, by a local church some, uh, earlier this year to, they wanted me to go and meet with them and go and whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, I wrote them back an email and said, look, thank you very much for your invitation. I'd just like to know, before I accept, what is your view on marriage equality? And um, <laughs> funny enough, they didn't write back. So um, <laughs> I might be holding what, my breath. <laughs> what, what a surprise. What a surprise. Anyway, at, the, at a recent meeting of uh, the Hobson's Bay Council, you wrote raised a motion for the council to write to the Municipal Association of Victoria, asking them to convene a meeting of uh, GLBTI and queer councillors and council officers. Um, Have you had any response from them yet? I have, and I'm very, very pleased to say, I mean, the the reason I did that is that it's all well and good what I've been able to do um, with the support of other councillors in the city of Hobsons Bay and through the west of Melbourne, but I'd love to see that replicated all across Melbourne and, in fact, all of Victoria. The MAV is our peak body, so we've now written to them, given that we've got a formal resolution of the council, and we are setting up a a meeting. So hopefully we'll get lots of people attend that meeting from various councils councils across Victoria and we're going to actually host that in Hobson's Bay. Very happy for people to come to us Um, and by, you know, just let's have a network, let's talk about these things and and see what we can do in other communities. So if you're listening and you're a councillor or a a council officer or a council officer um, and you identify as GLBTI, queer or whatever else on the rainbow. Or allies. It's important to have allies. So the resolution importantly includes allies. Yes, or an ally of our community there's going to be uh, a meeting soon over in Hobson's Bay where you can get together and talk about what happens next what do you think will happen next what do you want this network to do um, I'd like us to as we've so I'm a city councillor within Hobson's Bay but we've been able to show leadership and work with other councillors across the whole western suburbs I'd like us to now look at and we called ourselves Go West I'd love to see it go north. <laughs> I'd love to see it go east. Um, I'd love to. I'd love to see. You, you know, just don't want to see it go south. I just oh, <laughs> nothing wrong with going south. <laughs> um, all um, but um, no, it's all good. I just want to. I really want to make sure that all communities are inclusive, including Country Victoria. Um, there are good, great councillors, council officers um, across across the uh, across the state, and if we can get together and help promote um, our community being more inclusive, hell, even even things like participating in Midsummer, you know, it's mm. great. We've had about twenty two um, activities as part of Midsummer this year. If we can do that across all of Victoria, that would be amazing. It would be. Now, this is all part of the. Um what is generally called social inclusion, which up to now has not included GLBTI. I mean, it's one of the arguments I had with the previous government. Mm. Many times over, they had this so-called whole-of-government social inclusion project. They had a social inclusion board uh, supposed to bring minorities into the mainstream, um, get us participating in civil society and all that. There there was nothing for GLBTI throughout all of that. And we now find that the incoming Abbott government has, in fact, abolished the social inclusion 
Inclusion Board and the Social yes. Inclusion Project. and climate so, change and everything else. So rather than including us, they've excluded everybody now. That's right. But you want to do this at local level. You want social inclusion to include us. Absolutely. Local government is the level of government that affects us on a day-to-day basis. Uh, it's the level of government that's really, really well important for us to, to work with the gay and lesbian well, GLBTIQ community. Victoria. Yep. So that's your aim to start with. Absolutely. What about other states? Other states will follow. I mean, I, I know that even from what we did in Hobson's Bay and in the western suburbs of Melbourne, other municipalities have followed suit. I am very confident that once we start doing things, I mean, it's just going to grow. It will grow. So what would happen then would be presumably the Municipal Association of Victoria would, would get hold of someone at the Municipal Association of Queensland or New South Wales or WA. Well, we have an Australian Local Governance Association. Yeah. So that's, that's federal. Yeah. Uh, that involves all councils across the whole, whole of Australia. So that would be the next step. Right. So you'd, you'd put some kind of motion up there and, and try and spread the idea across exactly right. a lot of other councils. Right. Well, it sounds like a great idea. As you say, it is the level of government we engage with most hmm. and most frequently. Things like, I mean, you know, just bewilders me. So before I got into council, councils have all these policies in relation to the multicultural community, various religions, um, you know, you name it, minority group, they're there. Women, nothing. They had absolutely nothing on our community. It's really important that we are included in everything that we do. I see in Hobson's Bay, Seniors Week, for example. We have Seniors Week and we make sure as part of Seniors Week, we have a GLBTIQ event as well. Yes. Because we we get old. Um, (laughs) Some of us are. (laughs) Tell (laughs) me about it. Tell me about it. (laughs) (laughs) But it's important that we're included in everything that we do. Volunteer Week, we're included. You know, so it is about true inclusion. And and, and you're at that level that that is, that is probably the best place to start doing it. Yeah, well, we include things like when you, when you think about libraries and kindergartens, and, mm. but, you know, it's, it's very important. And, and it's very important, too, for building allies because, uh, as I've said millions of times over my time on the radio, mm. um, you know, people love us when they get to know us. Exactly. But if they don't know we're there, you know, we could be anybody. Yeah. And, and they have this strange picture of what we're like in their heads. They don't realise we're just the same as they are. On another note. Just more fabulous. Must. Within the rainbow, aren't we? Unicorns <laughs> and rainbows please. and fabulousness. Right. Talking about unicorns and rainbows and fabulousnesses, um, what's this I hear about you getting married? Yes. Um, let me think. So where are we? So Saturday morning, this Saturday morning, mm-hmm. I'm, my partner and I are getting on a plane. We go to New Zealand and we're getting married next week. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Because, of course, we can marry in New Zealand. You can marry in New Zealand. Here. And what we have, as we have heard, we will shortly be able to marry in the ACT. Exactly, well. which is great. Um, and, and in New Zealand, they have got marriage equality. So mm-hmm. even, um, I'm actually going to be getting married as an I, as an indeterminate. That's the terminology they use in New Zealand. I'm happy to be indeterminate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure who's determining what. Well, well, it, it does give one, you know, that we don't have pronouns and words to, to, to cover intersex people. You know, everything is all divided up into him, her, he's, she. Well, my rule of, of thumb, Doug, is if I'm in a lesbian bar, I'm a she. And if I'm in a gay venue, if I'm at circuit, I'm a he. So, <laughs> <laughs> everywhere else they can pick. Gen- gender, gender fluidity rules <laughs> as, well right. as, as well as sexuality fluidity, it would seem. 
Um, well, you've got a fan here. Tony Briff is a legend. Uh, are you planning a stint in politics at a higher level in the future? You're a great role model and a delight to listen to always. So, well, got any, thank you um, very much. Got any uh, ambitions to move to Canberra? Uh, look, I would, I would love to set a parliament. I'm an independent, so it's very, very hard as an independent, as someone that's not a member of a political party, to to get elected in into a parliament. It's just very difficult. Um, no, not that difficult. You well, just have to do lots of dodgy preference deals. <laughs> yes, that's, that's true. All sorts of strange and, and throw kangaroo poo around the place <laughs> and get yourself on YouTube. Maybe I should have stood at this election. Who knows? You, you. If you, if you'd employed a sort of preference broker like some of these people did and done yeah. some of the deals, who knows what could have happened? I'll I mean, be- I would just love to see you across the chamber from, say, oh, I don't know, Clive Palmer. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> I mean, it's going we to be blow each other kisses or it's, something. <laughs> it's going to be awesome enough when he gets in there. So. Uh, if you were there as well, I mean, it'd be really nice to see. Let me think. You and Clive Palmer and possibly Fiona Patton as well. Oh, okay. We'll have a sex party. <laughs> making up, <laughs> making up a nice little trio in the, in the federal <laughs> parliament. But seriously, though, I mean, you, you, you're just going to stay at local council level, or have you thought about state? I have. I mean, I actually stood for federal and state before I got. Mm-hmm. Into council sure um and i mean it is something that i would love to do so look there's a state election next year i'm not sure if i'm going to stand yet or not but it i must admit it is something that i'm thinking about yeah because as you say i think to have a chance you'd have to you'd have to join a party and you don't find any of them very appealing it's nice as an independent being able to commend both when they do something right uh all all of parties but also to be able to kick them in defense of my community when i have to yeah and that's the part that i find very difficult because to me politics and what i do is all about representing my community not about representing a party yeah well some people have managed to carve little niches for themselves inside the Liberal Party or inside the Labour Party yeah. where they're allowed to be shall we say a little bit eccentric or yes. whatever they build themselves a reputation and, and then that allows them to uh, do a little bit of kicking well yeah look if yeah look, I can I'll safely say that none have approached me about standing for <laughs> them um, although funny enough I I can go public about this now <sighs> Stephen Fielding approached me once about running for Family First, <laughs> which I wow. just—I was sitting there, and he, he actually came to my house. Wow! And I was sitting there in, in my lounge room. I'm thinking, do you really know what I stand for and who I am and what I am? <laughs> <laughs> um, but I guess they were pretty desperate at the time to to retain this. Well, there, 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 there is a thought. There is a thought. <laughs> we not could change the name of the party to Rainbow Family First. Awesome. <laughs> <That sounds laughs> Take great. it from there, <laughs> Tony. Thank you very much for joining us tonight. Congratulations on your impending impending nuptials. Thank you very much. We Absolute shall, privilege to be here. We shall be thinking of you on Saturday morning. I just want to sign off by saying, well done, Doug, and all the very best for your future. You've um, really been a voice for our community, a very important one, and um, sorry to see that the, your program's coming to an end. Well, thank, thanks thank very you. much for your kind words, Tony. Thanks for listening to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.